0: Hello, everybody. This is uh, Andrew Young. Um, Welcome to the latest edition of Ecom Weekly's discussion. I'm joined today uh, by the publisher of Ecom Weekly, Jay Shavit. Jay, uh, hi there. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm I'm doing well, thank you. I had a busy week uh, this week myself. Um, In fact, I'll kind of make a plug for the uh, Southwestern Association of Rail Shippers annual conference, which I was at this week, was a great insight into some of the the leading indicators that's happening in the economy, particularly around supply chains. Um, uh, It was uh, down in Houston, uh, I'd say probably 95% of the, the shippers, that's essentially people that move freight, were from the petrochemical industry. And um, some really kind of interesting discussion about uh, what's happening in 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 their world at the moment. I imagine um, pretty
1: bullish mood now.
0: Yes, yes, there is, and um, I mean they they're also kind of dealing with the the, the shocks uh, of the conflict that's happening in 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 Europe, in obviously in Ukraine. Uh, the impact on on their industry is is, is huge. Um, immediate. And also, well, what does that mean for the future? Um, I mean, I know we, we discussed in the last episode about structural changes in terms of more more production um, within the US, the opportunities for more, more ex- exports um, of commodities, not just oil, but could be grain as well. And um, I think if you think of who I was with this week, they're the people that that grow and uh, extract and refine these products, and also the people that ship them. It was all the railroads um, as well, and then terminal operators. So um, I got a bunch of people that were really kind of yeah. I think bullish is probably the word. They they were seeing um, some disruption, and I think looking at longer term up, upside in their industry. Um, Volatile but bullish indeed. So um well I'll I'll let you kind of just say a little bit about your week and then I think we should dip into uh, some of the news for the week. Obviously we we kind of had the Fed meeting at last. We've been talking about it for a while. So maybe kind of talk us through not just the headlines but anything else that came out of that session this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so that was the big uh, economic news of the week or or the big uh, what everyone was watching. Um in fact when the Federal Reserve speaks, because it's such an important and influential institution, it really just has such a bearing over how markets behave. Um, anytime the Fed meets with, with, a, with a big announcement, um, that it's always something that is, uh, you know just sort of top of mind on Wall Street and, and way, way beyond Wall Street really, just any, anybody who's an actor in the global economy. So they did meet this week. Um, they meet about, what is it, eight times a year, um, so they met, and the, the big development was that there, for the first time since 2008, uh, the Fed, the Federal Reserve, is going to raise interest rates. Um, and we talk a little bit in more detail exactly what that means in this week's issue. It's it's they're essentially what they're doing. They're they're raising a target for the overnight rate. But putting that aside for now, and backing up, um, let the Federal Reserve has 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 an interesting. Uh, mandate. They actually have what's called a dual mandate. So Congress <laughs> gives them responsibility or charges them with maximizing employment, as many people working as possible. At the same time, another Federal respons- federal Reserve responsibility is control st- uh, stable prices, ensuring stable prices. Uh, in, in other words, countering and inf- making sure that inflation doesn't become a problem. And those two ends of the mandate are actually can, can be contradictory because, in order to stabilize prices, sometimes you have to slow the economy, which hurts the job market. And the Fed kind of finds itself in sort of that difficult situation uh, right now, where the economy is very good, it's very strong. Um, the job market is super, super strong, but we don't have price stability. Prices are kind of getting out of control or that's the fear anyway. So the Fed has to decide, you know, what to do. Um, In the beginning of the pandemic, when the pandemic first started in early 2000 um, and well along into the crisis, the Federal Reserve took the stance that, okay, let's worry first and foremost about the job side of of the mandate. Let's, Let's make sure we focus on jobs. Inflation, yeah, even when it started rising a little bit, okay, it's, it's transitory, it's going to come down, it's due to these supply chain issues, whatnot. Um, but let's not worry about that for now. And, and part of the sort of the thinking there was that for the past 30, 40 years, inflation wasn't really a problem. So, you know, let's not overreact. However, we've reached the point where inflation has been kind of dragging on in a dangerous sort of way for quite a long time now. So consumer prices up eight percent, producer prices up ten percent, and the Federal Reserve decided to act last week by raising interest rates a quarter a point. Now that's not such a big. You say quarter a point. What's that? Um, perhaps more interestingly, they also had a rather aggressive uh, guidance on what they're going to do in the future. They basically said they're uh, es- essentially that they're going to continue to raise rates pretty aggressively over the next year. And they're also gonna do what's called uh, shrinking their balance sheet. So during the pandemic, they, in order to stimulate the economy, they wound up buying all these government bonds and these mortgage-backed securities. Uh, And now they're gonna sort of either sell them or kind of let them expire, let them run off. Uh, And that's where we are now. So the market had some interesting reactions to, to what the Federal Reserve did. Um, stock market's actually went up uh, quite a bit which last week which was sort of a reversal of what's been happening most of this year. Um, oil prices actually dropped a lot but they're still very high. And and the bond market itself um the treasury bond which is which is you know the government borrowing money everybody watches that very closely. Um the 10 the borrowing for 10 years that's that's a benchmark that's uh uh closely watched. Um the rates for that actually went up um Kind of, kind of jumped a bit, so uh, so we did have sort of you know rather, um, you know, rather ra- some some eventful reactions to to what the Fed did.
0: Yes, but but generally positive reactions, would you describe those as?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, when the stock market goes up, that's a reflection. You know, it's a positive reflection on on people's uh, what what people are expecting, um, and, and even you now people interpret this in all sorts of different ways, but even the fact that yields on the 10 year treasury bond rose is somewhat of a reflection that, okay, maybe, um, you know, maybe the economy is gonna be, you know, maybe the economy is in good shape because mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve is, uh, you know, feels bullish enough to raise rates. Um, you know, Powell himself, Jay Powell is the chairman of the, the Federal Reserve. He himself said that the economy is, you know, quote, very strong and uh, talked about, you know, this red hot job market. So yeah, it's, it's, I would say that the market reacted rather positively, but um, there's still just an enormous amount of uncertainty swirling about, you know, about all these things we've talked about in recent weeks, you know, the inflation and, you know, the supply chains and whatnot, the oil prices. So that's kind of where we stand.
0: Yeah. I, and, you know, and the, it's a difficult task, anyway. Coming out of that pandemic, you mentioned all the, the supply chain kind of the very strange situation that it was in. That you know, a lot of people interpreted that was the cause of the inflation. And then with this, this obviously the conflict that's happening in Ukraine and what that's doing to commodity markets and general uncertainty. They have so many variables flying around. Um, the uh, the you know them trying to model. The impact of, of rate rises. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredibly kind of difficult balancing act uh, to, to, to make. I, um, I think, uh, and, and it doesn't end there. I mean, um, the supply chain issues themselves are not going away. I think we've probably got over that peak of starting to see empty grocery Shelves and things like that, and uh, items taking kind of months instead of weeks for delivery. But you know, anybody looking at the news this week saw about the the you know the COVID outbreaks in China, and of course, because they're operating this um, you know zero zero tolerance strategy, they're kind of literally closing closing down cities. Um, a couple of ports were closed this this week, I believe. Which, of course, you know that happens this week. The effect of that is going to be felt, you know, over time um, in terms of the imports uh, coming into to the US. That's also going to then start to affect, you know, shipping rates. And, I, I you know, it's kind of just this endless stream of um, disrupting factors, um, which are really kind of battering the economy, many of which are outside the control of, of, of the Fed. Um, so they're in like this catch up in terms of, well, the, the tools that they have. Such as the exchange rate. Uh, sorry, the um, the interest rate mm-hmm. that they can uh, they can apply in there. So you know, it's I, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a very very challenging and you know probably quite a stimulating time for them. But what a, what a challenging kind of time to be working in the Fed.
1: No, absolutely. And you make a good point about how you know perhaps the tools the Fed has won't really address the problem of inflation this time around. Um, It's something that Powell himself has, has mentioned Uh, the, you know, it's there's this old uh, saying that inflation is always and everywhere, a monetary phenomenon that was from the economist Milton Friedman, you know, and that was very much, uh, you know, people talked a lot about that in the 1970s when inflation was very high. Um, And, you know, the idea being that there's, you know, inflation occurs because there's too much money kind of in the system. And money, when you think of you know what money is, it's uh, it's not the coins and bills in, in in our pockets. It's it's really lending. It's bank loans. That's like kind of the majority of 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 lending, uh, of, of money creation. Um, so you know maybe there's there's if there's maybe there's too much money in the system. So the traditional way of fighting inflation is kind of tightening the money, bringing bringing that quantity of money down. Um, and you would do that by raising interest rates to make it more expensive to have so much lending. Now that's untraditional, traditional, but maybe this, you know that might be completely irrelevant now because prices are going up not because of too much money. But in fact, there's 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 some very interesting arguments out there that the global economy has has had too little money in the system um, since the global financial crisis. That there just has it. There's just you know been a lot of reluctance to lend. And uh, everybody's just you know parking their money in in safe assets like treasury bonds, which is why one, one theory about why long-term interest rates continue to be very low. Um, but but yeah, perhaps all that's you know not a not even an issue here. Maybe it's just simply that uh, you know if you can't get a semiconductor chip uh, for the car that you need to produce, so your you know car output is down. Well, that's that's why the prices of cars cars are going up. Um, or if you know if there's a war in Ukraine, that's why the prices of oil may have nothing to do with money. So yes. what can what can the Fed possibly do? You know, by raising interest rates, how's that going to uh you know get more semiconductor chips? It's it's really not. Um so yeah, that's your your point there is well taken.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I I I I'd also kind of you know recommend everybody take a look um in this week's edition, we we Take a deeper dive into the the credit markets, and uh, you know, it's fascinating to see some of the some of the dynamics that's affecting uh, you know kind of uh, short and long term um, credit, and uh, where where that might be going. I I, I think uh, in terms of news this week, I mean the Fed meeting, the um, interest rate news did kind of overshadow. Lots of the economics information, but there was also another report came out this week on, on consumer consumer sales, which I think also had some um, some some warning signs attached, didn't it?
1: Yes, and if I may just back up and say one more thing about credit markets. I think okay. credit markets are the least understood part of the economy, but perhaps the most important part of the economy. <laughs> uh, it, it's yeah, it's actually. It's, it's the most, I mean, it's the most complex subject that you can study in, in, in the economy because um, there's just all, I mean, there's short-term lending and long-term lending and it's, it's uh, these, these markets are giant and they're global and very, very complicated. And if you can understand sort of what, you know, we sort of would do our best in Econ Weekly sort of explain the trends that are happening in credit markets, but just keep in mind, it's something that, you know, practitioners and experts, uh, they disagree about all the time. Uh, it's it's a lot of things. Um, there, there's just some some there's no there's no consensus on a lot of things that are happening at any given time in the credit markets. So just, you know, always keep that in mind. But uh, you okay. know, we try to do our best to sort of lay, lay out the, you know, kind of the key developments. But moving on to your uh, your question, you asked about. Yeah. So the another important report last week um, that the government issued was is the Census Department. Um, which is part of the Commerce Department, actually, Census Bureau, which is part of the Commerce Department. They issued a report on retail sales. Um, so, this is basically uh, sales of really goods and services and even, you know, foods at restaurants. Um, it doesn't include spending, consumer spending on services. So, you know, healthcare and education and things like that, um, just goods. But it is a very important part of the economy. So, just during January and February alone, um, we're talking about one point, almost $1.2 trillion worth of spending just those two months now. So what's the, what's the takeaway from the latest report, the February report? Well, the number, the number wasn't great. The, um, the spending was actually, it was up, but just 0.03%. And that doesn't adjust for inflation. So a lot of that, uh, a lot of that increase is just people getting, you know, they're, they're paying more. So, so. Ooh. The number goes up, but they're really not getting any more. They're just the price is higher, so um, you know it does say, say that they're still spending, but only, but only, yeah, just a slight, slight increase in from February. Uh, First, sorry, from January to February. Now, January's number was a lot more bullish. It was, it was up, um, I believe something like three or four percent. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, so that is somewhat of a concern that perhaps inflation is kind of slowing down uh consumer you know the con- consumer, consumer um,
0: yeah yeah well i mean well so inflation is you know seven eight percent um even when it was running at three percent that was still actually in in, in essence a, a decline wasn't it or a uh, so um right the, when you start to adjust for inflation in terms of like the, the stuff that
1: people people are actually like getting less now so there's there's if you adjust inflation people are actually you know buying less than they were you know um in recent months so so that number is declining
0: yes and, and of course you know the, the, the there are two metrics one is the absolute amount of money being spent which as you can say is you know arguably still coming in at the right amount but i mean from a production perspective um demand is lower um and um that affects lots of things, such as you know the productivity. Um, so you know potential long longer term impacts if that if that trend kind of continues and we see that decline in in actual uh, sales. But like you say, is this simply just because things are getting more expensive? Um, so there's a limit to people's. Uh... <laughs> Ability to pay, keep keep buying more if uh, if if their existing budget is is only buying is paying for less.
1: Yeah, no, no, right, right. And I think it's a little bit interesting to kind of go through some of the categories. So the census in their report, they they break it up into I don't know, is like ten different categories or maybe a few more than that. Um, so just for example, you know, they they have restaurants and bars. Um, they have uh, what's called, you know, general merchandise stores. So that's your WalMarts, your Targets, your Costcos. Um, then they have gas stations. Um, any guesses on what the largest category of spending is? <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you: it's actually car dealerships or vehicle dealerships. Um, so uh, that is just just January and February alone, two hundred thirty-nine trillion dollars worth of spending. So um, you're uh, I'm sorry. That's 239 billion, right? Did I miss that? Right. Yeah, It can't, can't be trillion. <laughs> that would be that would be way bigger than the uh the economy. The economy. The economy, the whole economy <laughs> 22 trillion. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, sorry. The U.S. I get, get, get,
0: US is it, car obsessed. So, but
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do love our cars, but not that much. It's easy, easy to sometimes get billions and trillions mixed up. But uh, the so car dealerships actually the biggest um, category. And uh, that is up 15% year over year. Now again, that's you know in, that doesn't adjust for prices. So um, the you know we talked about that. And then the uh, the second biggest category is non-store retailers, which is basically your e-commerce, Amazon, eBay, you know those kind of companies. Um, so uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting to take a look at all the different categories, and uh, you know everything's up year over year in part because of inflation. Um, and in part because you know it's not just inflation, spending is up legitimately year over year because you know the economy has opened up. I mean, clearly people are spending more on restaurants now at uh, restaurants now than they were a year ago because you know whatever the open, restriction, yes, yeah, yeah, they're open. They're open. <laughs> so exactly. So uh, okay. yeah. That's,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, yes, interesting. I mean, yeah, we talk about inflation and whatever that rate is, but of course, the inflation rate is different per category. Um, for car sale, cars um, and houses, we've spoken about in the past, seeing much higher than the average rate of inflation. Um, other goods will be a lot more stable and not not increasing by so much. So, you know, adjusting for inflation. I know it's a catchword that we always add on to most economic statistics, but it kind of is a major <laughs> consideration with in the market we are in at the moment.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: So, so Jay, I uh, I think you know from the macro side, um, there is more around the, this news in in Econ Weekly this this, this week. But uh, I wanted to also just spend a little bit of time talking about the. the the location that we focused on this week. Um, And that is Cheyenne um, in Wyoming. Um, Fascinating tale. You use that, a word in the title, um, which is kind of the biggest difference between British and American pronunciation, which I I would say missile. And I think (laughs) you say missile (laughs) (laughs) Missile. in in, in there. Um, So I, I mean... Personally, I've never, I've never been up there. I've never even been to Wyoming um, and I love big sky kind of country. So it really is somewhere I'd like to go and visit and just reading this week's article kind of makes me kind of want to see it, see it even more. Um, but fascinating kind of little micro e- economy um, up there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we, we like to look at these local economies because, you know, sometimes when we're talking about federal reserve and, you know, uh, interest rates that uh, affect international, it sometimes obscures what's really happening on the ground in, in, in these individual communities. Um, one, one thing you'll find is, you know, when you when you get outside of some of the big giant cities like New York and Dallas, or, or even, I mean, this, this applies to them as well, but you'll just see a lot of employment, especially in sectors like healthcare and education and government. And in, in some places uh, the military is is a very very big component of, of the overall economy. Um, in it, you know it, it is nationally as well. but in a place like Cheyenne, Wyoming, state government and military is I mean that's a that's right there that you're talking about a very very large chunk of the overall economy. And what they have there is a big air Force base and that's one of three places where, the Air Force keeps its um, intercontinental ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads on them. Um, and they put them there back in, in Cheyenne, back in the 1950s during the Cold War, because it's um, it's pretty much very geographically s- central, uh, you know, it's right in the middle of the country. So, uh, you know, it's, it's theoretically difficult to, to you know, if, if there was an invasion force, it would be difficult to invade. Um, and uh the other reason is that it's north enough where you can fire these rockets and hit the Soviet Union at the time. So that's that's you know a big reason why why Cheyenne was chosen. Uh and I think there's there's yeah, the other two bases, one is Montana and the other is North Dakota, I believe. Uh so yeah, that's a that's very much a big part of the Wyoming economy today. Now, or or of the Cheyenne economy today. Um, Wyoming, we, we talk a little bit about. Wyoming as a state also, um, it's the least populous state in, in the United States. There's just not that many people that live there. Um, it is a very energy rich state. Um, they, the largest coal producer, some people think it's like West Virginia or some place in Appalachia. It's actually these days in Wyoming mm-hmm. um, that produces the most coal. Um, and they also have a lot of tourism, um, particularly up in uh, the mountainous region in the Northwest here, Jackson Hole. And of course, Yellowstone National Park, which is, you know, big, a big tourist drop. Uh, Cheyenne itself has less of that, though they do have this thing called frontier days, which I have been to, I have to say, and it was oh. one of the most fun trips I've ever gone on. It was really incredible. If you ever, you know, anybody have, have a chance to visit, it was really cool. They just say a lot of rodeos and, um, just, yeah, just kind of a fun, fun gathering. Uh, so yeah, that, that pretty much, um, that's your, that's your economy right there for Cheyenne. Uh, it's another kind of, important note is that it does lie about it's really not that far from Denver and Denver is just booming. You know, it's one of the the hottest economies in the country. Uh, And so is to the north. If you you drive north of Denver, you get into this area called Fort Collins and that's booming as well. So the boom didn't quite go all the way up to Cheyenne, but it could. And it's, you know, I think they've seen some of that. So there, there's, you know, there's been some sort of residual bleeding northward of that economic boom, um, but it's not. Don't think of it as, you know, there's been all these mountain economies that have really, really boomed during the pandemic, like Denver, like, um, you know, Bozeman, Montana, and uh, you know, you could sort of go up, up along the Rockies, Salt, Salt Lake City, um, just some of these western mountainous places. It's not that Cheyenne hasn't, you know, it's still, still a very small population, still, um, you know, it's also, it's also Pretty flat there. It's not the kind of, you know, there's a lot of people that like that mountain living and they're the Cheyenne is not that kind of place. Uh, but it's it's pretty close. So maybe maybe they'll get some northward bleed.
0: Yeah. I yes. I just kind of just looking at my map of Wyoming, and it literally is a nestle down in that south, southeastern corner. Um, you know, kind of a few few degrees by the map makers and it could actually have been in Colorado and uh, so exactly. Um, yeah.
1: And you, you would be interested. I mean, you know, you've seen that uh, what we wrote in econ weekly, but uh, the um, it was originally, a, like, like so many Western towns, it was originally a railroad stop. Um, and it's, you know, roughly a thousand miles from San Francisco, roughly a thousand miles from Chicago. So it's kind of a nice, nice place to stop when they were building the transcontinental railroad in the eighteen seventies or sixties, whenever that was.
0: Yes. And, and I believe it, it, I mean, it still has kind of a railroad um, industry or little economy there. I think Union Pacific has a a pretty major facility there. I guess it's strategically located across one of their very, very long routes. Yep.
1: Yep. And they were, yeah, What's so interesting. I mean, they were, Union Pacific was like the, they were the original transcontinental, that was the original transcontinental railroad um, and they still exist. They're, you know, there's been a whole bunch of mergers and stuff in, uh, in the past, uh, you know, in, in between then and now. But uh, yeah, they're, they're, still, they're still a, a sizable employer uh, in their region. I um, Just in case I didn't mention it, uh, Cheyenne is, is the state capital. I think I said that government was important there, state government. Um, so yeah, that that's a big reason why they have the state government there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I must say, uh, you know, we, we, it's called Econ Weekly, but for me, it's actually also really helping me understand so many parts of the United States, uh, you know, their, their, their economy, as well as kind of, you know, some of the history as well. And uh, and also, you know, wh- wh- where they're going, you know, where things are heading. Um, it's uh, it's quite fascinating to kind of look at the, the real micro side of, of things in, in, in the country. Um so I'd recommend people to also look back at other places that we've covered as well. I mean, talk about a variety from from mountains to uh, to, to coast, um, from hot to cold, from large large cities to kind of completely new cities, and then uh, declining um, uh, industrial former industrial areas. Um, I think you know the the variety of different localities that exist within the united states you know it's 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 kind of mind-blowing uh, for someone from no, a small it's... island like myself
1: <laughs> yeah no it, it is absolutely amazing that like the same country you can have you know key west and Juneau, alaska <laughs> you know, just and and so much in between it's it's amazing
0: yeah, yeah, and and yet everybody's there. They all have, still have the same nationality. Use the same currency. Um, you still have the same Walmart. Um, all of those places, you know, kind of
1: right, right. No, and that's you know that that is one thing different about the economy of today than maybe you know a hundred years ago. Although it was already starting by then, is that a lot of economic institutions have become national. I mean, we've always had, of course, a national government, federal government, but. Um, you're right. Like retail chains like Walmart or national and, you know, you can just roll down the list You're, you're uh, um, you know, just so many national brands and, and even, you know, even international. So, uh, yeah, that that is somewhat of a change. Economies are in that sense less regional, but there's still just a very high degree of regionalism um, in terms of uh, and even just localism in terms of what specifically makes an economy tick in each place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking as well. Econ Weekly should be a valuable reading for uh, for for realtors and relocators around the around the country because um, it's uh, you know you can read a lot into a place by just looking at headlines, statistics, um, and things like that. But I think what we do is give a a 360 degree view of 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 a place. Um,
1: right. And and, you know, one interesting thing about doing some of these is you kind of kind of learn where sort of the high potential places, you know, where's where's the next and you know you no one ever knows for sure because it depends on, you know, millions of different factors. But uh, but you know you look at a place like uh, you know some places are already clearly in in the thick of a, a boom. You know, Austin is the most famous example. That's probably Austin, Texas, being you know the the most um, the the strongest economy in the United States right now, you know perhaps Seattle or you know you may get may get a few arguments, but um, but then there are these places uh, you know like um, Northwest Arkansas, which just seem to have a lot of potential, or Huntsville, Alabama. Um, it's you know places that you <laughs> you wouldn't think you know Huntsville, Alabama, what's that? But um, but they in fact have so many you know, nowadays what you really, you know, it, it's very helpful for an economy to have a lot of knowledge workers and a knowledge, not knowledge industries. That's where you just have a lot of, you know, that's where a lot of the income is. It's higher incomes, it's uh, higher growth potential. And, and Huntsville has that because of, uh, essentially, you know, you can go back. It was a few months ago. We did it. We did our, you know, profile Huntsville, but that's a, essentially, um, uh the place where they have you know a lot of nasa uh uh uh, facilities so it's they have all these you know scientists working on what you might call the space economy you know rockets and all that stuff and that's just like super high potential um uh, you know industry so uh just just, yeah makes a place like that yeah maybe you look at a place like that and you're like "Eh, what's where's this place going to be in 20 years it could be very interesting yeah, and, and I, full full yeah, disclosure, I don't own any property in Huntsville. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> entirely, entirely. I'm not like talking my book here. I'm just entirely, uh, yeah, 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 my uh, impression.
0: Yes, uh, but but no, it's a it's a very it's a very valid point. And 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 the you know the truth is because we are j- typically ignorant about a, a lot of these things. You know, you kind of just fall back on your you know. Just what you kind of normally associate with a state or a region, and of course, you know, there isn't that broad brush. There are there are these pockets which you need to drill into to kind of understand. And uh, it really it really is fascinating. And actually, if you're kind of looking at relocating or moving, or you're there already, um, it's it's incredibly important to, uh, to to kind of get be able to grasp that. Um, so. Um, so I think Jay, um, we could probably call call this call this call it a day with uh, with the episode. I know we kind of kind of went right through from uh, the full my, my macro to a lot of the smaller things that are happening. Um, I think maybe just before we sign off, um, any, anything that you're kind of looking forward to in 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 the coming week um, that's uh, that's going to affect our economy?
1: Yeah, I don't think there are any too huge uh, as far as like um government reports i don't think there's um anything that's going to be too closely watched. maybe maybe some reports on you know home uh the housing market um those seem to come rather regularly but we won't get another inflation number this week we won't get anything on uh consumer spending um so yeah rather rather slow week we also it's also the um fourth quarter 2021 earnings season is pretty much over by now. We had a few companies that we wrote about uh, um, last week. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned FedEx, uh, Lenar, the home building company. We talked a little bit about that in this week's issue. So uh, we don't, as far as I know, we don't have any big uh, earnings left this week. Um, but of course, you know, the whole market is watching events in russia and ukraine and all oh, how that affects commodity markets and uh and whatnot so yeah that i'm sure there won't be a dull moment
0: no there is definitely not a dull moment if i trying to trying to work out a plan and knowing that the certain milestone is going to happen that's what we'll be talking about is is a bit of a fool's uh, game so um so i um so i guess we'll we'll, we'll sign off now maybe just uh Jay, you can just uh, tell everyone where they can, they can find you and, um, and find Econ Weekly.
1: Yeah, so you can email me at uh, jay at econweekly.biz, B I Z, um, uh, or you can just visit econweekly.biz. Um, and we also have uh, the newsletter on Substack as well, and that's uh, econweekly.substack.com.
0: Okay, that sounds good. So let's, uh, let's call it a day. We'll, uh, we'll be back again next week. Thanks again. Thanks, Jim. Yep. Sounds good. 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 Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.